Unfortunately, far too often, people are left all alone in the dark to deal with mental illness and the stigma that surrounds it. Well, today, Jason Finucan from Stigma Zero is here to talk to us all about that and to help us break down barriers of mental illness stigma in the workplace. Enjoy. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another Contractor Success Academy lesson. I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm super excited about today's topic. Uh, I think this is a long uh, overdue topic. And with us, we've got we've got Jason Finucan. Jason, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mark. So, Jason, the topic that we're going to cover today, before I get to the title, uh, it's a it's a serious topic. It yeah. is one that I think is going to hit home for a lot of people. And unfortunately, often gets overlooked. And I think in part because it's just really misunderstood. So uh, today we're talking about breaking the barriers of mental illness stigma in the trades. So thanks for being here, Jason. Um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and we'll jump right into the presentation. Thank you so much, Mark. I, I think it's great that you guys are even putting a spotlight on this. Um, I think we can all agree that 2020 has presented a great many challenges for every facet of society and the trades are you know, no different. Um, mental illness is something that has been prevalent for a long time and it's only going to be more prevalent ahead, looking ahead. And all I'm trying to do is help people to respond better to this challenge, uh, whether it's in the trades or it could even be in your life. It could be in your personal life as well. And I'll be sharing some of my personal experiences along the way. Fantastic. Great stuff. So I'll uh, let you screen share, Jason. Excellent. So as you see there on the left, Stigma Zero Empowering Change, that's my company logo. And I'll explain in a second why I founded a company and named it Stigma Zero. But today we will be helping to break the barriers of mental illness stigma for all of you listening, both in your workplaces and in your lives. Before we go ahead into the presentation, I just want to share with you a little bit about how I came to understand what I know about mental illness and about stigma, how I developed my expertise, and why, frankly, I'm, I'm worth listening to for a half an hour of your valuable time. I really hope that I can share with you some, some very real and very tangible things that you can walk away with and learn. And it all started for me with lived experience with physical and mental illness. I'm going to share with you both in detail. I have seen workplace stigma from both sides. I've seen what it's like when you have a self-stigma about a mental illness, and I have seen others apply stigma uh, towards me. Um, and so I understand the negative impact that stigma can have in the workplace. I've done a lot of academic research, including publishing a white paper. All that means is I've done my reading and I've learned as much as I possibly can about this topic. And I've been a professional speaker, having delivered over 100 plus keynotes and workshops and webinars like this over the last 10 years. I founded Sigma Zero in 2015, and our goal is specifically to help workplaces better respond to mental illness in the workplace and to eradicate stigma, we do this through training. And as I mentioned, the training, our online program is called Create Your Stigma Zero Workplace. And I'm the instructor within that program. And I also published my first book just a year and a half ago. And this is the book that I published, Jason One Stigma Zero, My Battle with Mental Illness at Home and in the Workplace. And I just want to explain the title a little bit. It's very important. I didn't beat 
the mental illness. I learned to live with it. I learned to adapt to it. I learned to live as well as I possibly could with it. But you don't really beat a mental illness. But what I did beat, as the score here indicates, is stigma. I used to have an enormous amount of stigma towards myself, towards mental illness in general, but I ultimately came to a point where I was able to conquer that stigma. And that was a huge part of my wellness going forward. This is the white paper that uh, I published, and it just talks about how when you reduce stigma in the workplace, you are actually making a sound business decision. There's a real ROI there. And we've also written a white paper on the six steps to improve mental health in your workplace. So this gives you an idea of the breadth of my experience and, and where I have come to. But let's take a step back and just look at the context that we're in. The mental health curve is going to have a long tail, says Dr. Ken Duckworth. He's the chief medical officer for the National Alliance on Mental Illness in the U.S. When life finally returns to normal, the following year will not be a good one for mental health. This is the reality that we are all facing. We all know how hard it is to adapt to a global pandemic on the fly, but this particular strain on our mental health is likely going to last well into 2021. And so learning about it is very important and will help you and your employees in the long run. So we're going to take now a bit of a, a side detour into my personal story. I want you to know what I learned and how I learned it along the way. And to do that, I'm just going to tell you a little story. But I want to share with you my path to discovery. It was very organic. I didn't plan any of this, obviously. I certainly didn't plan on, on uh, becoming sick. But I did learn first through self-reflection after having experienced both physical and mental illness. And then I did the academic research. And then ultimately, I developed what are the key takeaways that I've learned through this whole process, which took many, many years, and how can I help others to learn the same thing just a lot quicker than I did? So I keep mentioning physical illness. I keep telling you that I've had a physical illness uh, when I was young. So you might be asking this question, what does physical illness even have to do with it? I thought we're talking about mental illness. And that's a fair question. But in my case, it actually was the key to help me understand stigma. Was that, I, was that I had both a physical and mental illness. I am guessing many of you out there remember this show. When I was in grade four, nine years old, Three's Company was my favorite show to watch, which I think is kind of funny because I probably didn't understand half the jokes. They were fairly adult. However, I loved it. And it was my favorite thing to do. Come home from school, sit down on the floor, eat a bowl of cereal and watch Three's Company. I did it every day. But one day was completely different. What happened was my heart, out of nowhere for the first time in my life and for no apparent reason, jumped from a resting heart rate to 200 beats per minute. To give you an idea, if you were to run flat out for 200 meters, as hard as you can, as fast as you can, your heart rate might get up to 160, 170, maybe 180. 200 is very fast and painful. And so that day was the first day in a long journey of discovery, what is wrong with my heart, what's happening, uh, what do I have to do, then finally diagnosis. It was called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, and it was a nerve defect in my heart. And then what was the treatment? The treatment was open heart surgery, which I had in 1988. That is me at 12 years old. Looks like there's blood all over me that's actually iodine from when they clean my chest before they cut me open. 
and I won't stay on this image too long for those of you who might not find it squeamish, but the reality is you can imagine that was a difficult time, but this picture is only two and a half weeks later. And you look at me and I always ask in my live keynotes, what do you think when you look at that little boy? And 99% of the people say happy. And you're absolutely right. I'm very happy because I'm alive. I have a surgically repaired heart. I don't have a pacemaker. But really, the main reason I'm happy is sort of symbolized by that balloon I'm holding. That balloon represents an absolute avalanche of support, of love, of everyone in my life, my friends at school, my teachers, my family, everyone I knew rallied around me and made me feel like what I'd gone through was somehow a hero's journey. And they welcomed me back to school with open arms. And what I learned was what it's like to go through a major illness, miss three months of school, and have absolutely no stigma. I never felt guilty about having a bad heart. I certainly never felt guilty about having to go to have open heart surgery and miss time at, at, uh, at school. And no one made me feel guilty. There was no stigma. There was no shame. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. But that may have saved my life. Because I would later learn that physical and mental illnesses are the same in the sense that our bodies are failing us. Something's going wrong in our body. In my heart, I had a nerve that didn't work. And with a mental illness, it is often a biochemical imbalance in the brain, or it could be situational. But the reality is your brain and your body are not functioning properly. And that makes these illnesses essentially the same, but they're treated so, so differently. And the first way I learned that was when I was 26 years old, I began experiencing the symptoms of what would later be diagnosed as bipolar disorder. I had no idea what on earth I was experiencing. But what I did know is that it bloody well could not be a mental illness because mental illness happened to weak people. Mental illness happened to people who didn't try hard enough. And I was a hard worker. I was someone who got things done. This couldn't be happening to me. My willpower was way too strong for me to have depression. Are you kidding me? This is how I thought for a long time. That is stigma. I applied stigma towards mental illness, towards the people in my life who had it, towards myself. And it is a dangerous and a very negative impact on your health because instead of seeking help for this particular problem, I just tried to live through it. Now, this is another reason why I went through all of this. Many people are scared of, or at the very least, uncomfortable with mental illness in a way that is not the same with physical illnesses like cancer or heart disease or type 1 diabetes. So my first step towards recovery was to own my illness. And to own my illness, that meant I needed to accept it, I needed to eradicate stigma, and I needed to be the expert of my own illness first. And the way that I did that was this, and this is going to help me tell you what I went through. I didn't create this chart. I found it online uh, at a website years and years and years ago called bipolar.com. And it is a mood life chart. It's trying to help you see where are you on this spectrum. So just to explain the spectrum on the left side, you will see at the bottom depression could be mild, moderate, or severe. And then the baseline, think of baseline as your normal. We all have different levels of energy. We all have different levels of sleep we need every night. Um, 
we all have our own version of normal and healthy. Whatever that is for you, that's your baseline. Mania is either hypomania, which is mild or moderate mania, or it's a manic episode when it's severe mania. So in 2000, I was healthy. I was at my baseline the entire year, as you can see here. 2001 was the same. But in 2002, I had my first depressive episode. I had, as I said, no idea what it was. I thought I had a flu, but it lasted two full months and I felt lethargic. Everything was more difficult. I had less cog, like I couldn't think clearly. I had less cognitive energy. I had less uh, energy physically. Uh, Everything got a little harder, but I was able to get through it. Then for the rest of the year, as you can see, compared to this in 2001, for the rest of 2002, I was a little bit up. Now, at the time, I would never have been able to diagnose that because essentially I just felt good all the time, but I was mildly hypomanic and my sleep, which I also started tracking, helped me to tell that. My sleep informed me that I had suddenly on average started sleeping about an hour and a half less per night. And that was an indicator of this very mild mania that I was in. And then this was the first time I really began to believe, or I I had to face the reality that maybe this was a mental illness because now I had another two month long depressive episode that was even worse. It was moderate and I really struggled to work through it. Um, And the truth is, is that that is when the stigma really kicked in and I dug my heels in and said, no, I'm fine. I can, I can live through this. But then in December, as you can see, I became much more severely depressed. And that's when I needed to take uh, my first leave from work. And it was awful for me because I was struggling to accept this new reality. And I even was willing to try a medication, an antidepressant. And this image is my favorite way or best way I can share with you what depression felt like to me. I felt entirely alone, even if somebody was sitting right behind me, I, or beside me, excuse me, I felt like there was no horizon. I couldn't see past this little space I was in. And everything seemed bleak. That's how depression felt to me. I didn't cry all the time. I didn't get angry, but I did feel shut off and shut out from life. It was an awful way to feel and uh, not something that you should just try to endure out of some sort of strange sense of pride uh, because of stigma. So then in 2004, as you can see, things started to really unravel when it came to the symptoms of my illness and how severe they were. This is a very bipolar year. I spent no time at my baseline. I was either depressed or increasingly manic or extremely depressed. And it was in July and August in 2004 that I finally started to take it more seriously. And I was more willing to seek treatment. And unfortunately, I was just, I was put on a treatment that wasn't right for me. It wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't negligence. It was just the the, the knowledge of the time. But the net result was what you see here. I had an incredibly deep depression in January, early January of 2005. It was so severe, I was almost catatonic. I was sleeping 18 hours a day and unable to do much while I was awake. And so my doctor increased the dosage of the antidepressant I was on, and I instantly launched into a severe manic episode. And that severe manic episode resulted in six consecutive days of absolutely no sleep, not one wink. And very erratic behavior to the point of delusions of grandeur, to the point of almost psychosis, almost losing touch with reality. 
to the point that my family had to intervene, get the police involved and have me put into a hospital for two weeks, which as you can imagine is not the most pleasant thing to have gone through. But in many ways, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because I finally was seated in front of a doctor who got through to me that what I had was an illness. It was called bipolar one disorder, that it was treatable. I was on the wrong medication on a different one. I should have every chance of success with it. He gave me hope. And for the rest of that year, spring, excuse me, until June, um, until I had the real recovery, I was just slowly figuring out the dosage of the medication I was on and resting and recalibrating and getting back to my, to, to my center, really. And then finally, the medication worked. And when I say it worked, let me explain this. From February until May, I took first two, then three, then four of these little white pills called lithium. And the dosage wasn't correct. And then I took five. And that dosage didn't work. And then the doctor said, I want you to take six. This is the last increase that you can possibly have or else we'll need to add another medication. You're near the top of what you can take of this drug. And one night I took six little white pills instead of five. And that was that night in June when I woke up and I literally said the words, I feel like me. For the first time, look, I'm going to go back very quickly. How many years? From the beginning of 2002, all the way through 2003, 2004, and halfway through 2005, I did not feel at my baseline or like me or at my normal, not for one second. And I finally was back there. And that's when I realized, okay, this really is a biochemical failure in my brain because this medication has corrected it in the same way that a diabetic who takes insulin instantly feels the, the, the benefits of the insulin because it's correcting the problem in their body's function. And so that's what happened to me here. And the result first was to feel like this. That's what recovery felt like to me. That's what it felt like to be myself again after all these years fighting a ghost. And then from 26 to 2020, minus a few very small you know, I've had minor depressive episodes that have lasted three to six days, but nothing major, nothing that's lasted longer than two weeks in the entire 14 years. And a large part of my success is not just that I take my medication every day, although I do, but it is also because I own my illness and I track my illness. I track my sleep. I track my mood. I am on top of it. So if things start to drift and things start to go bad, I catch it quickly and I seek medical advice. And if I need to change or add a medication, I'm willing to do it. The point is I manage my illness constantly. It's like a part-time job, but it works if you do it that way. And I would never have done any of this, not one bit of it, had I not first overcome stigma. And if you can imagine when you live through this, and then I sat down and I compared back to my open heart surgery and I thought, what if my heart problem had come back? in my 20s, instead of this new illness, bipolar disorder? What would I have done? How would I have behaved? Well, I'm sure you're all guessing correctly that I would have not felt any shame or stigma. I would have not been afraid to talk to my boss or my colleagues. I would have not hesitated to seek doctor's input. And if I needed time off or an operation or anything, I would have done it. Because we don't take a failure of our heart or our leg or cancer in our cells. We don't take that as a, 
somehow a mark on our personality. We recognize that that's just our body. It's just our body failing us. But yet when mental illness comes along, which is just our body failing us, oftentimes we can add this whole layer of stigma, which complicates everything. And I would argue unnecessarily. So the impact of stigma, as you can see, is huge. And my experience has helped me to understand that stigma was impacting us all. And it had to be eradicated. And it could be eradicated. That's the best part of stigma. It can be completely eradicated in your mind and in your circles, whether that's your social circle, your work circle, your family circle, whichever. So the most significant consequence that I I want you to remember about stigma is the silencing power. It did it to me, which means when you are silenced by stigma in a workplace setting, it means you try to work through an illness that perhaps you shouldn't be working through. Perhaps you actually need to address and get medical attention. And so you end up with more presenteeism, which just means people showing up to work when they're not really well enough to work. So they end up working at 60% or 50% productivity. And it also greatly exaggerates the impact of the illness. Remember this, stigma is an attitude. Stigma is a lot like racism in that sense or sexism. It's a thought you may or may not have towards another group of people. So that group of people could be women. That group of people could be people with mental illness. If you have a stigma in your mind, something in your mind says that something's wrong with them. Discrimination is an action. That's when you take your stigmatized thoughts and actually physically or verbally do something that displays that attitude. I would argue with you, it's very easy to stop discriminating. In fact, very few of you probably even do. And if you do, it's very unintentional, but it's easy to fix discrimination because it's overt. We do it. It's an action. But stigma is something you have to think about improving and thinking. Um, so you have to change the way you react. When somebody tells you, I've struggled with depression recently, you have to make sure that your first thought isn't, what does that mean? You're sad? Because really, the first thought should be, I'm sorry to hear that you're struggling. What is it exactly? Have you been diagnosed? And then you could have a conversation if you wish. So we, we can normalize conversations about these topics. I've been doing it for years and believe me, it works. So this is something that works best in a live setting, but I still want you to do it. When, when, when you as an individual are watching this webinar, just write down on a piece of paper even, I would like you to come up with all of the negative stigmatized discriminatory words you can think of about mental illness. I'll give you some examples. Psycho, nuts, whack job, and so on. And in a group setting, I can get a group of 15 people to come up with 50 to 100 words because they're out there. We all have all heard them. It's part of our vocabulary. It's part of our life. But why I'm asking you to do this is for this. The second part of this discussion is actually to do the exact same thing, come up with stigma-filled, negative, discriminatory words about two types of cancer, breast cancer and prostate cancer. The reason I specifically say those is because those are ones that have nothing to do with lifestyle. They just happen to you when they happen to you. Now, what I'm going to assume, because it has always been the case, is that very few of you have been able to come up with any 
stigmatized words about the latter. And the reason is because there aren't any. You just simply don't see them or hear them in our society. Not in the news, not in movies, not in your regular conversations, not in your workplaces. There's a reason for that. It's because we recognize cancer to be something that happens to the individual, but we think of mental illness sometimes as something that is a failing of the individual. That's the difference. And we should not have a difference between these two. Having gone through the open heart surgery and having gone through the bipolar disorder, I can assure you, I tried as hard as I could to beat both of those illnesses, but I was never going to overcome the open heart surgery with, sorry, the, the heart defect without the open heart surgery. And I was never going to overcome bipolar without treatment. It's just simply the way that the illness works. I'd like to take just a few minutes here and, and explain the solution that we have created at Stigma Zero to try to help organizations, employers to overcome and overcome this challenge and better respond to mental illness in the workplace. And it's called the Create Your Stigma Zero Workplace Program. Our mission at Stigma Zero is very simple and clear. It's to help employers eliminate the stigma of mental illness in the workplace. As you as I said earlier, founded in 2015, and we help companies of all sizes to create stigma-free workplaces. And our innovative web-based training program was developed with the best practices of online learning. It is very effective. And our vision is, frankly, to put ourselves out of business. Our vision is for a future without stigma, where this conversation doesn't even need to happen. That would be amazing. The stigma that surrounds mental illness in the workplace is an expensive problem that hurts company culture. It doesn't matter what type of workplace, whether you're in the trades or you're in the financial sector, mental illness is impacting at least one in four. And most of those people are hiding it because they're afraid because of stigma. And that results in a lack of productivity and the hurting of the company culture. But a key positive, uh, sorry, a key element of positive mental health in the workplace is the ability for organizations to respond quickly and effectively to mental illness when it happens, which it will. We know it will. So where nearly all employers fall short is in addressing the stigma. They do often offer education on what is mental illness and awareness, but addressing the stigma is the part that is often missed, and it is a key, key part. So how can employers better respond to this challenge? The answer is training. You can absolutely add training to any awareness campaigns and get people to develop the skills that they need to know how to respond in the workplace and frankly, to change a culture in your workplace from one where stigma can thrive to one where it's truly stigma-free. So training must be effective and with clear goals, all training must develop the following knowledge and skills if, if it's going to tackle mental illness and stigma. You do need mental health literacy. You absolutely do need to understand the differences between bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, depressive uh, disorder, etc. All of these illnesses, you need to know what they are and how they present. You also need to know what the employee action and response is going to be to various situations, how to build psychologically healthy workplaces, what is the manager and HR response? How does a manager respond when a person on their team is displaying behaviors that might indicate a mental illness, but it also might indicate something completely different? How do you have these conversations? 
in a productive, positive way. We train all of that. And of course, HR response is vital. Then there's sustainable policies and guidelines. How can the company as a whole, if you're a larger company, how do you make sure that your support structure for your employees is thought through in a way that it does not have stigma? And then giving your employees, managers, everyone, the chance for personal and professional growth. And our program does that. We have three tracks. I'm going to go through these next few slides very quickly. We have three tracks, meaning we train employees, managers, and HR slightly differently, simply because managers, and then again, HR and and, and senior leadership have different needs than the employees do. So there's extra content for those latter two groups. But included in the entire program are all of these features, from video guides to tools to downloadable resources, templates and guidelines, individual activities, activities you can do as a group, lots of interactivity and curated content. We send you out of our program to the web based on links we have curated to show you um, the research behind everything that we've done. And there is a certificate of completion at the end of it. And these are the benefits of a stigma-free workplace. There is definitely an increase in productivity. You can attract new hires much easier. You can reduce presenteeism. You can improve your culture, absolutely. It is so much easier to retain top talent if you have a healthy, stigma-free workplace. And of course, you'll be supporting your employees along the way. This on the right here is the interface. It is an online program. I am the instructor in it, but it is training that can be taken anywhere at any time. You can learn at your own pace. You can certify your employees and your brand, and you can be part of a very important movement to, as my shirt says, to end the stigma, which is something that we need to do in our society to save lives. The truth is the more people that go through that two and a half year journey that I went through of just trying to fight through the illness all on their own, too many of those people don't make it. They end up in severe, severe debilitating depressions and many of them attempt suicide or successfully attempt suicide and die by suicide. It is something that we just simply don't need anymore in our society, this kind of negativity and this kind of stigma we can support people and we can accelerate their recovery. This is what I really want you to remember. Mental illness can be treated, but stigma can be cured. And by that, I mean, I have not cured myself of bipolar disorder. I have it the way that a type one diabetic has diabetes. They have it for the rest of their life. They treat it with a daily dose of insulin. I treat mine with a daily dose of a medication called lithium but I also do all sorts of other things every day to treat it and make sure that I manage my health and my wellness as best I can. But stigma, I wrote that book, Jason One Stigma Zero, because stigma can be cured, can be totally eradicated and totally overcome. And I would like to see you do that in your lives and in your workplaces. And on that, I will finish up. Thank you so much. If you are interested in learning more, visit our website at www.stigmazero.com. Well, Jason, uh, nothing other to say than what a great presentation. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and share that story with us. I think it's going to touch home for a lot of people. And I think it's just misunderstood. I think a lot of people don't know the difference and the, the, the analogies that you've used, it just makes it you know crystal clear. And I think if you value, I mean, we're all in business to 
you know, we're, we're working towards building something great. And if we value, you know, what we do, nothing great gets accomplished without great people. You've got to take care of that, that, that asset, your company, your, your people. And I think this is something that, uh, it just gets, gets often overlooked. You see those campaigns every year where it's, you know, mental illness, mental illness, but too few people put things into action. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and uh, I just think that was a phenomenal presentation and we're going to do our best to really get that out there and, and make sure that, that, that people watch this. Thank you very much. And, and I do think you're, you're so right. What motivates me to share my story, to tell it, it's, it's not to hear myself talk. It's not, to hear, it's not to talk about myself. It's because I learned a long time ago through volunteer work that when I share my story, it crystallizes a lot of what people already know into something that makes more sense to them that they can actually take action on. Yeah. It, it just, it just kind of clears out the cobwebs a little bit. It, it really focuses it. And that's all I'm trying to do. I, I never offended when somebody shows me unintentional stigma about my illness, because it's a matter of that person just not understanding. As you said, it's not that they're trying to be hateful or mean or anything like that. Most people just don't realize because they've never been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. And once you've learned, it's, it's amazing how people can just quickly pivot and, and just start talking openly about mental illness in a way that they've never done before. And uh, anyway, I, I would love to see that happen with, with your audience. And uh, if anyone in your audience is, is interested in our training at all, they can reach out to us uh, through our website, stigmazero.com. Um, I can be reached directly, jason at stigmazero.com. And, uh, and if anyone's interested in my book, that is also available through our website. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to put all the, uh, the links in the show notes, Jason. And uh, again, I just, I, I love that story. I think it's, uh, it's nice to see that, you know, you're able to, uh, to do something great with this, you know, it, it's brought in a lot of purpose to, to, to what you're doing today. You're helping a lot of people. Um, and when I'm hearing you tell that story, I'm thinking, you know, like you were invested in you know, tracking the sleep and you went through this, this roller coaster ride for years. <laughs> I can only imagine people that are on this 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 ride and don't know what to do. They're just they feel misunderstood. People don't get them. They're just stigma, stigma, stigma everywhere. And it's yeah. uh, what do you do? And, and I can see how people just don't get out of it. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, well, that's great. Thanks for uh, thanks for for coming on, Jason, and sharing that story with us. Thank you so so much. 